scared to die, you better not be scared to live. I've been spending all my days giving all I can give. Last night I heard someone walking through my bedroom door. What they want, I'm not exactly sure. A friendly ghost, that's all I need. Listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Vera Broskel. Did I get it right? You did. Awesome. Um, her new book is Anya's Ghost uh, from the Fine Folks at First Second. I first saw this book, actually, I was at the Brooklyn Comic and Graphics Festival, and uh, Gina the publicist for first second was showing it to me um and a whole bunch of people saw me holding it and they were all wanting to take a peek at it because i guess uh, <laughs> you've had a lot of buzz for a while around it awesome well for a while do i not have any buzz anymore <laughs> i'm sure there's still buzz but i mean <laughs> leading up to it this oh, yeah, was I know what you mean. this was in december 
And so yeah, that's not, that's not too bad. Gina's Gina's great. She's been really great about um, getting advanced copies to people and getting people to review it and stuff. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're a good tight team. Um, yeah. Now Anya's Ghost is your first big book, correct? Correct. Correct. Um, tell me about kind of jumping in doing a big comic book because your background isn't necessarily comics, is it? Um, well, I mean, it kind of is. I did one in high school for a while. I did a webcomic, um, but I stopped doing that once I started college. Uh, so I've always been doing comics a little bit. I did the flight anthology stories, which were kind of the best warm-up to doing a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Because um, we, we had as much much uh, page space as we wanted. We could make our stories as long as we wanted. So I can just kind of take baby steps towards doing a longer project. Oh, okay. But just kind of working out the ideas that you'd want to do, or they're all kind of different stories? Um, yeah, the, the flight stories are all, all different. They're kind of all over the place. But it just made me a little bit um, more comfortable. Kind of got me back um, into drawing comics, I guess. Because I had oh. a break for a while. Did you approach it a little differently than you would, say, your animation work? Um, oh, yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's much longer and it's much more work for me as an individual. Um, in animation, it's me and a team of, like, four or five other people. So I just get little chunks of it to work on. So the book was just me on my own, trying to have everything make sense. Um, what was the choice between doing or for doing a big project? Because I had read you somewhere, I heard somewhere you started working on this while working on uh, Coraline. And so that, like, that seemed like a pretty intense project to be working on, so to be taking on a comic on top yeah. of that. Yeah, that was kind of uh, <laughs> exhausting. Um, I don't know, I'd, I'd always wanted to do a longer book, and people had always been asking me when I would make one. And I knew it was possible because Graham Annable, who's a, a co-worker of mine at Leica, and he does the Grickle comics. Um, he's been producing work for decades, and he's uh, he's always worked in animation. So if he could do it, theoretically, it should be possible. Um, yeah, and then just uh, I just wanted to have a project to work on when I got home from work that was that was not work-related. Mm-hmm. I just really keep... wanted to tell this story. So tell me about Anya's story. Um... Is it self-reflective in a way? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of uh, I wanted to process uh, what it was like being a teenager um, or an elementary school student or whatever, just growing up as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd kind of uh, I wasn't super proud of my background when I was younger, and as I got older, as I entered my twenties, it became something I was actually proud of. And I went back to Russia with my mom for the first time for a. 20 years or so and it was so different and it was just really interesting to see that and like see the culture I came from and it was actually a really great thing to be Russian but at the time I definitely wished I wasn't and I just kind of wanted to work through that in a book and just try to cram all kinds of adolescent stuff in there <laughs> just wanted to get it all out of my system were you born in Russia or in the States? Uh, in Russia yeah in okay. uh, 1984 and we moved over in 1989 what was the uh, the experience like at that age? Do you remember? I remember I remember little things. I remember uh, being in school, uh, not speaking English, and just being terrified. I remember uh, we we stopped along the way in Italy and Austria, which is a pretty common thing to do for people moving from Russia. 
So I remember some of the time there. It's just little bits and pieces. I remember ESL class for sure. Yeah, it's just like little stuff. I was pretty young. Yeah. Um. It with Anya's ghost. Do you kind of the audience, young adult, uh, is part of it kind of reaching out there for someone that may be going through a similar experience? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to trying to write something honest, I guess. Um, maybe a little sincere, I guess. I don't know. I figure if I'm not, you know, bullshitting too much, someone will relate to it. <laughs> I guess I guess it sort of worked. <laughs> now, I'm curious a little bit about your background. You went to uh, animation school at Sheridan, was it? Yep, that's right. And it... For folks that don't know, you went. You were in a class with Emily Carroll, uh, Kate Craig, and Steve Wolfhard. Is there anyone else that was in that same class? Um, yeah, tons of people. We were in a very talented year. Uh, Steve Wolfhard was actually uh, the year ahead of us, so he um, was graduating just as we were arriving. Um, but we also went to school with a guy named John Clausen, who is a super talented illustrator. Uh, he worked on Coraline too. And he's got a, a children's book coming out called Where Is My Hat, I think. Um, and it's super funny and awesome. And everybody should uh, should look him up. And who else was in our ear? This guy named Robin Joseph. He's an amazing uh, character designer. Just really, really talented people. Uh, a lot of them are, are in animation rather than comics. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Since it's animation school. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's folks like, like yourself and Steve and Emily. Who are yeah. dabbling in the comic world? Um, yeah. Were you interested in doing comics at that point at all? Like, was there a point, bef- even like before that, going into animation, you were into doing comics? Um, well, I was doing I was doing that web comic, but oh, I never right. really saw it as a as a career, I guess, because there wasn't any visible way to support myself with it. Animation is much more of a trade, I guess. Like theoretically, when you come out of school, you could get a job at a studio and get health insurance and stuff and be a grown up. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really do. I did like a little bit of comics. Did some mini comics um, with some friends while I was in college. But for the most part, I stopped. Uh, there was a point in the second year where I was considering dropping out um, to do comics because uh, what was it? I think remember the Minx books from DC. Yeah. That series. Yeah, I, I got approached to do um, a story or a, a series. It sounded pretty fun, and I was so fed up with school at that point. Um, I was considering it, and I talked to some advisors in school, and they actually encouraged me to do it, which was sort of weird. But in the end, I wound up uh, sticking out and doing my third year and making my film. And I'm really glad I did in the end. Everyone knows how Minx ended up. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that worked out. Tell me about your film that you you did it's then. My film. Uh, it's called Snowbo. Um, it's on my website. If you look on the art page, it's at the bottom. There's a little animation link to it. Um, it's about a little boy who uh, has no friends. It's wintertime, and nobody will play with him. So um, all the kids run him off. He's wandering off on his own, and he finds uh, a hand sticking out of uh, the ice. It's a frozen pond, and a, and a man got uh, frozen and killed with just his hand sticking out. And uh, since the kid has no better options, he just makes friends with the hand. And uh, uh, it goes from there. I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, it's yeah. not very long. It's about two minutes. You seem attracted it, to uh, to dark work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. 
it I don't know. Is, <laughs> is that a surprise or not a surprise for me <laughs> <laughs> um working on dark work for kids um or youth young young folk um how do you kind of make that balance of where do you go too dark and kind of approximate or do you just kind of go for instincts um i've I've just been getting away with doing whatever i want up to this point <laughs> uh with my book like i don't think Tanya's ghost is particularly dark i know i, I kind of was told to keep keep the cigarettes down maybe and not swear or anything i had to take out some slight bad words but for the most part i don't know i've been really lucky i've just been able to tell the kinds of stories i want to tell and not been censored too much I don't know. I think our kids can handle handle most things you throw at them. Mm-hmm. What kind of material were you reading at that age? When I was little. Um, hmm. Well, which age specifically? Let's say. Like, uh, like 13 or something? Yeah. Yeah, young adult age. I read a lot young of Goosebumps. Adult. I read a lot of Goosebumps books. Um, yeah, I, I like that horror y stuff. I, I hate horror movies, which is kind of weird. But I really like scary books. Um, there were those uh, kids' books, scary stories to tell in the dark. There were, I think, maybe three of them. I can't remember who wrote them, but the illustrations were absolutely terrifying. They're like these sort of uh, ink washy, black and white, really gooey, drippy, awful things. And uh, I was scared to death of them. I used to have to turn the book face down when I went to bed so I wouldn't accidentally see it at night. Um, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. Pretty much everybody's read these books, but. I guess that was kind of an influence. There's something to be said about the uh, the when you're reading horror or suspense, you have control over it. Where with a movie, it's kind of forced upon you. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't look away. I mean, I usually do. If I do have to watch a horror movie, I'll just put my hands over my face the entire time. And also, a horror movie during the ring. Pardon? That was me during the ring. I had my hands over my face the entire time. <laughs> well, they're also more based on gore than necessarily. Uh... An intellectual stimulation, yeah. So to say, yeah. But even then, like I, I don't, I hate watching Evil Dead. It just makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's okay. That's all right. Yeah, it's so. fine. I've been outed as a wuss. <laughs> I don't think anyone can use this against me. No, that's. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Anya's ghost, what kind of support or advice were you getting from working with uh, first, second? Um, did you kind of have a complete story in mind or like editorial things kind of helped shape it? Um, the way, the way it actually worked was, uh, I, I kind of thumbnailed the whole book and drew the whole book before my agent, uh, Judy Hansen started shopping it around. So the whole thing was pretty much penciled, um, which I guess is a little, little unusual, but, um, since they had the whole book to look at. Uh, they kind of knew exactly what they were getting, and fortunately, they were they were happy with it the way it was. So I didn't have mm-hmm. to make any major changes. There were a few small tweaks, um, and uh, I had a slight freak out with the very end uh, of the story. And Callista kind of helped me figure that out a little bit. Callista's the editor at first second, so that okay. was really helpful. Um, but for the most part, you know, they were they were pretty hands off. They were there if I needed them. It was pretty much ideal. Um, it was a very good experience. One thing I really enjoyed about the book is that it's not um, an expected story. Like, you kind of start out, and it kind of goes in all its own different directions. 
Um, how is that important for you as a storyteller, just to kind of keep yourself excited? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of it was a was a conscious choice. Like I, I, I keep reading that it starts off very predictably, and then it kind of goes somewhere somewhere different. But I kind of knew where it was going to go the entire time. Yeah, it wasn't like a conscious choice to trick anybody or anything. I don't know. Um, that's it. Just kind of it felt natural to to write it that way. Have it have a wander around, have the characters kind of do what they're supposed to do. It it brought me completely different subject matter, but uh, Jessica Abel's uh, La Perdita, the way that story Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't know if you read it, but it kind of starts out one way and then part way in goes off in a completely different direction. And for me, it kind of felt the same where it just kind of pulled you in a little further. Mm hmm. So I figure that's a good thing. Yeah, I like that. Um, now the art, I read that you would, was it you do the original first on the Cintiq, and then you would ink a printout of that, or how did that go? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. That seemed like a lot of extra work. Is it? Like, well, I don't know. A lot of people <laughs> just do straight. They'll either do like the roughs and then clean it up in the Cintiq. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. Like to me, it just seemed. Maybe I'm just not exposed to it that much, but it seemed backwards from from a lot of other folks. Um, well, I I do clean up again once it's scanned in Photoshop, but uh, for me, the Cintiq just makes it much much faster to work. So I think um, whatever time I would have spent doing the originals by hand, I saved infinitely. It's just it makes me very 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 fast. So uh, that's that's just my preferred method for for getting things figured out, uh, just to do the thinking part of it. And then the inking by hand, I can take a little bit more time and just try to get it to look good. Mm-hmm. It just—it just seems like a process to me that had the least chance for things to go wrong. Like I know whenever I ink over original pencils, I'll screw it up, and then I have no idea how to start over. Really, it's just really frustrating. And this way, I can just print out another copy if I need to. That yeah. And so, did you do it on on like a thin paper? On what? On a, like a thin paper for the inking, or um, it's it's translucent. Or it's directly, vellum. yeah. Yeah, so I just I just put the printout underneath. It's like tracing paper. It's just like a slightly more sturdy version of tracing paper. So I just uh, I put that over the printout and just ink ink right on that. Do you are you planning on doing more comics now that this is out, or have you been working on new comics? Um, I have an idea for for comics. I'd like to do either another graphic novel or a children's book. Because the idea of doing 32 pages of something is really, really appealing. It would be done a lot faster. Uh, so I'm kind of uh, working up proposals for both of those right now. I'm going to see which which gets off the ground first, I guess. And you do have that mini-comic, it was, uh, Werewolves? Uh, yeah, What Were You Raised by Wolves? Yes, sorry. Yeah, yes. I, I just did that because <laughs> I, I wanted to have something to sell at, uh, at Stumptown and Decaf, which are the shows I went to in the spring. And since my book wasn't out, I was just going to want to kill myself if all I could do was tell people it's not out for two months. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just made a mini-comic that I could, <laughs> I, could, uh, I could direct them to, and that was fun. Were you already, did you already know, like, I guess you fig- you thought the book was coming out sooner and you booked those conventions and then it was oh, so no, late? No, I, I, knew, oh, okay. I knew it wasn't out. I knew it wasn't out until June. Like, it's, per second has a pretty set schedule, so yeah. there's a lot of um, advance notice. I just yeah. really like those shows. I live in Portland, and I love TCAP so much, so I definitely wanted to go, even if I couldn't 
sell my book. And fortunately, my publisher was able to give me some copies to give away at those shows, so um, I could get a few copies out. That was nice. Yeah, I saw that. That was, uh, and it makes people happy to be able to have the chance to just get something for free. Yeah, though at, uh, at some time we did a raffle. I did a raffle for five copies, and that was not nearly enough copies. <laughs> there were like <laughs> a bunch of people watching me pull the names out of this jar, and I felt so bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least some people got it. Yeah, yeah. It seemed to mostly be my friends, which I felt extra bad about. <laughs> um, one of the ongoing things you do is the draw this dress with uh, with Emily Carroll. Uh, how did you guys get started doing that? Um, Emily has a lot of awesome fashion reference, and she was posting some of it to Twitter. And uh, I don't know, I just emailed her and was like, "Hey, we should we should do this thing where we draw outfits." Because I remember from college, we were always drawing costumes and stuff. It just seemed like a fun exercise, I guess. And uh, we just kind of kept doing it. It's a lot of fun. It's just a, uh, it's just like a treat after doing meaningful, meaningful drawing all day. Um, what are some of the more ridiculous outfits that you've found on there, or while oh, doing yeah, we, it? We have this, we have this one. Uh, it's like a, like a little corseted top, and it's got these enormous blue harem pants underneath. They're they're huge. It's like inflated garbage bags over the legs, and we were, we were kind of threatening to give that to each other for a while, but nobody ever actually had to draw that. I think so far we've been pretty uh, pretty kind. I think the worst thing I made her draw was this '80s uh, sweater with like multicolored bows and ruffles on the leggings, and it was just nasty. <laughs> she drew it. She's a stamp. It's on there. Yeah. So you guys draw it, tell each other what to draw. Not. Yeah, that's the idea. Because I think if we were picking for ourselves, we'd pick kind of kind of safe stuff. So it's, it's kind of more fun if someone gives you something that maybe looks like crap in the photo, and you have to figure out a way to make it look good. There's something nice about that. What after working on something where you're always drawing, like especially with Anya's Ghost, where people have their outfits, where mm -hmm. you can stretch out and just play and just yeah. Use yeah I really like drawing clothes. Anya's ghost kind of sucked because she only had maybe three costume changes and it was mostly t-shirts and whatever. I should do like a period drama or something next. <laughs> um, in Anya's ghost, uh, tell me about the use of the, the colors or the lack of color scheme. The, the gray tones. Um, I've been drawing the character for a while before she had a name or much of a story. Um, I, I was actually I originally, originally came up with her for uh, the Bell and Sebastian anthology that Image did a while ago. Oh, okay. I never I never wound up actually drawing that story, but I kind of that's kind of where she came from, based on the song Family Tree, sort of about a disgruntled schoolgirl from what I could work out. And uh, I did all the um, concept art for that with sort of a blue tone, and every time I drew her, it would be with those same colors and. That's kind of how she always was in my head, so it kind of made, made sense to keep doing that for the real book. And for a second, uh, insists on colors, um, not a full color for their book, so uh, that, that sort of made the decision a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So would you, would you like to do more color work or color work in the future, or do you kind of feel comfortable with the, the more muted tones? 
uh, full color takes so long. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I would I would hire somebody to color it for me if, if I had to do that again. I think I think color like colors better if you're in kind of a more interesting environment or if it can like bring something to the story. Color just for the sake of color isn't much fun. Mm-hmm. I, I like the monochrome. <laughs> the experiences in Anya um, with the relationship with the ghost and um, does that feature anything like that from your own childhood just of having to find friendship in, in odd others at all or like dead bodies <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> dead bodies but just <laughs> but also thinking just like um that whole outsider feeling and just like yeah. finding a connection just a, more of an outsider um I don't know it wasn't it wasn't super conscious uh the idea behind the ghost was just to have her be more of a reflection of Anya rather than be a real, really good friend, because she's really just a yes man when it starts out, and that's the reason Anya lets her stick around, because she's just helpful and agrees with everything she says and tells her she's pretty, and it's kind of like your your ideal friend when you're a self-absorbed teenager. You don't want anyone to put up a fight. And uh, the idea of Emily was she'd just wind up reflecting all of Anya's bad traits back at her so she could kind of see what a dick she was being <laughs> and hopefully work that out. Um, yeah, I didn't have any I didn't have any dead friends. I just had <laughs> nice, uh, nice, polite, alive ones. Nice friends. Were you forced into uh, kind of hanging out with folks in your own community that you weren't too excited about or...? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, Dima's kind of a real person. I feel, I feel bad for that kid. There's a kid in, uh, I think, like fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. Little Russian kid who like just moved from Russia, and he was very fresh. And uh, I immediately wanted to distance myself from him as much as I could because he was just kind of embarrassing. He was very small and very very Russian. <laughs> so I kind of joined in in the mockery. So I, I felt bad about that, so I kind of wanted to get that in the book somewhere. Um, Did you... Yeah, I'm... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I... I had some Russian friends in high school, but uh, in upstate New York, there was kind of a shortage. It was just that kid, and I didn't really... We didn't have much in common anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was just trying to be friends with normal American kids as much as I could. Yeah. Um... Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Vera. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, for folks listening, it's uh, Vera Broskel, and the book is Anya's Ghost from the Fine Folks at First Second. And it's out in stores now, isn't it? Yes. It, it is about neat a, about if a you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> did it s- oh, it sold out, didn't it? Yeah, there's, did some, it? there's some problems uh, with Amazon uh, running out, I guess. Uh, but the second printing is in, so it should be easier to find now. Okay. And there's comic stores you can go to. Yeah, totally. they will get it for you. They will, they will be very nice to you and get it yes. for you. Yes, go to your very nice comic stores. Well, thank you.